Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 17, coming to you straight on Grammy Sunday. I am Foggy, and with me as always, JPP and T-Bags. Good evening, fellas. Good evening. Good evening. Did, uh, did you guys get a chance to check out any of the Grammys this evening? I actually am boycotting the Grammys ever since they disrespected Nine Inch Nails. So. <laughs> I haven't watched in a long time, but uh, um, I should probably get on Twitter and kind of see what's happening here and there. I'm sure somebody's talking about well, it. Well, it was a garbage fest, and um, <laughs> you know, I, I just, you know, I mean, it's like ever since 1996 or whatever, when uh, Smashing Pumpkins played Tonight Tonight. It seems like after that, it, you know, the women took over, and then it's been the whole R&B thing or whatever. If this is the Grammy Awards, which is supposed to honor all music, it seems like the representation during the show should encompass all varieties of music, and it shouldn't be a repeat of the same music over and over and uh-huh. the same artist performing multiple times in one evening. Because, like, Miley Cyrus came out in different trampy outfits and sang uh, one song with, with one person, and then she was part of the uh, um, the tribute to Dolly Parton. Um, God, it's just excessive, and yet... You know, then they try to appease like the rock crowd or whatever, and so they throw um, Red Hot Chili Peppers in there with uh, Post Malone, and that's yeah. like it. That's the only difference of music the entire night. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, wow. there's got to be some classical stuff that came out. There's got to be like some true country that came out. There's rock. Yeah. There's metal. There's all kinds of music that just completely gets ignored for this program, and then they may offhand say, well, earlier tonight, this person won for this, but there's no representation during the show, and the show well, is certainly long enough to have that. Yeah. I mean, well, speaking of the different music and the show being long, I don't know if you remember. I'm, I'm not kidding when I said they disrespected Nine Inch Nails. It's hard, it's hard to get Trent to do something so mainstream anyway, but he was there with, uh, I think, like, Lindsey Buckingham and Dave Grohl and Josh Home from Queens of the Stone Age. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Do you remember that year? And so I, do. I was excited for that very reason that we were not going to get the same regurgitation of the pop world thrown at us, and I was going to get to see you know my band perform. And they the show was running long, and so they ended up just showing part of their performance and then running ads over the top of it. And so Trent, obviously, you know he doesn't never mince his words. He tweeted out some stuff about it, but. That was it. that was it for me. And then I had a conversation. You guys can weigh in on this, but I had a conversation with my wife this weekend about. I said, "Do people really sit around and watch that anymore? Is it just that I'm too old to do it?" And I said, "I thought maybe there's just too much accessibility for other things now." And she had a good point. She said that all not only the accessibility to listen to the music, but you get to like see so much about the artist anytime you want. Just tune into those channels that there's. It's not so special just to see your artists perform on TV because you can call that up on YouTube anytime you want. Right. No, exactly. And anymore, if I find myself, if there's something I want to see, I will wait until after it's aired and chances are the next day I can catch a couple of different feeds on YouTube Mm -hmm. with either commentary or just the footage itself. And I don't have to worry about waiting through commercials and occupying my time. I can get stuff done or enjoy doing what I want to do and then catch it at a later time and then watched as much as I want after the fact. Yeah. True. So true. Yeah, I don't mind watching the show. I mean, I don't mind seeing different people win things. I just would like it to be representative. Otherwise, it just comes across as a shill for 
making money for the uh-huh. corporations on TV or something. I don't know, but it doesn't seem to be truly about the music, which is what it should be. Yeah, and I've had friends that uh, have attended the Grammys in person, um, being in the industry, and they definitely say that it's a longer program than what's shown on TV. It's a highlight reel of what is very popular in the market overall. They do cover those categories, but those are all behind the scenes and really kind of quickly pushed through. And then once the primetime hits, that's when they start the entertainment factor and everybody is seeing the live performances and um, getting the the top 40 awards and what have you. And then uh, one final comment. They announced this at the Grammys, which was shocking to me, but the Backstreet Boys have the number one record in America. I was skeptical before, but now I'm convinced we are going to hell in a handbasket. So, <laughs> yeah, with you. I, I was going to say, if we're back in the 90s, I sure don't feel like I'm living in the 90s anymore because my back hurts. No. Give me my Metamucil and get off my lawn. Uh, so, what uh, else is going on in music news this week? I did some uh, searching this week and posted some stuff on the Facebook page. So if you've already seen it, cool. If not, here you get to listen to it. Um, The piece that I posted was Sacred Reich, thrash band of the 80s and 90s, are back in the studio uh, working on a new album. They have been active intermittently performing at festivals in Europe and across the U.S., but they vowed that they were not going to do another album. They said there was no reason. Uh, Their last album, Heal, came out in 1996, but uh, the guys seemed to be re-energized and found it worthy of uh, time to be in the studio with some fresh new material. So be on the lookout for that sometime this year, maybe early next year. Very excited for that. They've got, uh, from what I can see, it looks like the original lineup, including Dave McLean on drums, who's performed with Machine Head through the years. Fantastic drummer. Uh, Phil Ryan is the bass player and singer. He's a really cool guy. He's uh, just kind of a genuine dude. And that's why I really appreciate the band. And uh, Wiley's on lead guitar. And um, it's it's going to be a powerhouse. I can't wait. Also, uh, today is Sunday that we're filming this. It's also Cliff Burton's birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, those who uh, you know are Metallica fans certainly will pay tribute to him. You know when when time comes, of course. But uh, I I found some cool uh, posts on Instagram from Kirk Hammett himself, as well as other people in the industry, Anthrax, and um, even the bass player from Prong posted a, a a quick happy birthday to to Cliff. If you hit if you just search the hashtag Cliff Burton, you'll find all sorts of posts. A buddy of mine found a really cool photo and shared it. It was uh, Anthrax was playing live on stage, and you just had to kind of look. It's almost like finding Where's Waldo, but Cliff was standing behind Scotty Ian's half stack with his head sticking clear over it, and just uh, watching them from the from behind the the scenes, if you will. It was really cool. So it's fun to see those candid photos that aren't generally out there commonly from from these guys because you get to see another piece of Cliff and his genuine goofy. Not I mean goofy, but funny and and. You know his sense of humor and his human nature if you will so you know if you get a chance check that out it's uh, certainly a fun uh, little piece to to look through also fear factory announced a new album called monolith will be out later in 2019 they're currently working on that um powerhouse thrash band as well very precise machine-like dino cazares has a nice syncopated rhythm and their drummer always uh, matches that rhythm with the double bass so it's very uh, again machine-like pulsating and, and intense um had the pleasure of seeing them live in 1995 or, or 96 i'm getting old it's one of those two years fantastic set um 
And then last, uh, some bad news in the industrial world, uh, Phil Western, also known as Filthy, he's worked with Kevin Key from Skinny Puppy in a project called Download and has been involved with electronic music through the years. Uh, he passed away this weekend. Um, there was lots of uh, blurbs on Facebook from Kevin himself as well as other people in the industrial community you know, sharing their loss and their grief. And uh, there is a Bandcamp page. I'll put it in the show notes of his discography and all of his works. If you would be so kind to purchase the albums, it would go towards his family to support them in this difficult time. And uh, the music is really good too. So really sad to hear he's gone, but I'm, if there's any relief in the fact that he left a legacy of music to, to continue on, then, you know, I will gladly hang on to that and listen to it. And that's all I got. You forgot something. The announcement. What's that? From two days ago. What was the announcement from two days ago? Slipknot this summer. Headlining with Korn and Alice in Chains. And I can't remember right off the top of my head. There's a bunch of other bands. But uh, they'll be doing their U.S. leg of the tour in uh, mid to late summer. Oh, I didn't miss it. I saved it for you. <laughs> boy. Yeah, so really exciting. We're going to get new music later this spring. And then summer we'll get and- the tour. And then we also have a, we also have an update from Maynard himself that yes. the Tool album will not come out in April, but anticipated it somewhere in July. So still a 2019 release date, but I have to try to stay alive a little longer. <laughs> but it will be perfect <laughs> when it's ready. Absolutely. <laughs> what was the tweet? It said something about uh, mixing and arguing and going back <laughs> and mixing some more and arguing some more. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's about has, right. He has great tweets. <laughs> well, like we're guaranteed to have a great record, so if it takes an extra couple months, not a problem. Yeah. Yep. He posted he posted a hashtag recently that said, while you were whining, I was working. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. True story. All right, so we ready for our challenge this week, fellas? We are. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, Paul, you issued it, correct? I did. I did. Remind us, please. Um, remind me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I basically said when back when we would go to the record store, you'd walk in, you'd hear a tune or you'd hear music or even see on the counter. They'd have a little um, slanted rack that you'd, they'd put a CD saying now playing. And, you know, when you walk in and you heard something that caught your attention and you end up walking out the door with it. Do you remember an album that struck you in, in such a way or an artist that struck you in such a way? And, uh, you know, can you kind of, you know, elaborate on that and uh, tell us your yes. adventure? Uh, you want to go first, Tony? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Perfect. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, mine's super easy. Um, I thought back of those two jumped out because I vividly remember um, the first one was 1994. Um, I mean, there were probably others when I was a kid, but it just kind of all blended together. But I, I distinctly remember 94 going in and hearing um, Jeff Buckley Grace playing and uh, talking to the guy about it, and he was raving. Um, I hadn't heard anything by him before, and it was just interesting because if you you go in and you listen to it for the first time, there's strange <laughs> variation in the music and um, but it was so intriguing that I had to get that one. So and that was where my love affair with with him began, ninety four. Mm-hmm. And the second one uh, was in uh, a year later, um, same store, and they were playing Our Lady Peace uh, from the six, and uh, they were playing um, Star Seed from Navid, and um, 
they had a really good sound. I really enjoyed them and still do. And uh, so those are my two, 94, 95 in Indy. Okay. Pretty cool. Well, I don't know if I remember the years exactly, but, uh, well, was it just, well, let me go back to Steve's real quick. Was it just that it was playing? Did you ever get like any sort of relationship with anybody that worked there that like, hey, man, you got to check this out? No, like because <clears throat> no, because um, and the only reason I remember those times is because it was right after um, I graduated from Bloomington that I moved up to Indy, and I was only there for a short time before I moved back here, um, gotcha. and so I didn't build any sort of relationship with anybody there. And then when I was in yeah. in, or in Bloomington, I just remember going and selling my plasma, getting my twenty five dollars, and then going to blow it at the discount den on uh, <laughs> <laughs> on imports. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember those days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It's weird that music will do that for you. You'll be like, okay, do it. can I give blood somewhere? Yeah. Can I do whatever? I, Twice um, a week. <laughs> yes. I had, I had several. Um, just And they kind of spanned different eras of my life. But the, the first one I remember, the earliest one I remember was, you know, being a skater. And like anything else, you know, you wear the gear and all that stuff. And it kind of... Like even today, if you're if I'm wearing a Saints hat, somebody will talk to me about football. You know, back in the day, wearing a skater shirt or something. Um, I remember somebody at Karma, the guy working there was also a skater, and he asked what I listened to, and he turned me on to a band called Voivod. Mm-hmm. You guys ever heard of them? Oh yeah. Okay, so that, um, and I had never heard of them, but so it was like kind of thrashy. Uh, I don't know how to describe it exactly, but I remember listening to that tape over and over and over again and practicing tricks to it and you know it was having enough batteries for the boom box to set outside by the ramp um and then when i went to ball state in the early 90s um i was really into henry rollins back then and the rollins band and uh you remember one music paul yeah okay so i was in there quite frequently and discount den and stuff like that but one music seemed like a little more artsy appeal to it mm-hmm. and, um this guy turned me on to a band called the Swans. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which I, man, I just like fell head over heels for them. And it just, it was just a sound I had not heard before. I guess it came from a, like it, it was the result of some sound like anti sound from New York. But, um, uh, I didn't know until later that Rollins also kind of listened to him. So my world's kind of collided there and, uh, white light from the mouth of infinity. I went back and listened to that again. I still love it. Um, somewhere along the lines of the Swans, of their all the iterations they have of their band, they they brought in somebody named Jarbo, and she was a keyboardist and singer, and he ended up doing some solo stuff. So I ended up really liking her stuff too. Um, funny thing with that is she had a song called, or she had a uh, album called The Thirteen Masks, and I was looking her up because I remember seeing that picture of her with Maynard from way back in the day, and I still to this day don't know why they were together. But I found out through all this Googling that she uh, has two vocal credits on A Perfect Circle, 13th Step. Oh. For the noose and lullaby. So, like, totally learned something new. I had no idea that she was the female vocalist on that. That was cool. And then, um, just to wrap this all up, uh, you guys know my love of Nine Inch Nails, or you should by now. What? But really? <laughs> I know, yeah. Just a small little Drink. bank in the 90s. What's the word on the street? <laughs> yes. But I remember that um, there's a guy that worked at Karma that Marianne knew. And you used to get those, uh, 
the tapes that were like sent ahead of time to see like what the store wanted to pre-order and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so it was one of those that didn't really have a cover. It was just like a sampler only type thing, and it was uh, down in it by Nine Inch Nails. Nice. And, but yeah, my sister sent it to me, and I, I've told the story a little bit before, but I was too like kind of snobby. I still it just, it wasn't metal enough for me at the time. Mm-hmm. But then when Pretty Hate Machine came out, there was an advanced copy, and it just happened to coincide with when. I broke up with my first real girlfriend, you know? And so listening to, like, that's what I get and this little teenage angst stuff that was kind of all throughout Pretty Hate Machine, it was like I knew that I knew I wanted to hear that over and over and over again. And then watching Trent just change throughout the years, as I'm so glad that I kind of got into them. But that all stemmed from somebody giving a sampler to my sister. Very cool. So, yeah. Yeah. There we go. The record store is you know if you have the luxury or the fortunate ability to enter one present day um it it Mm -hmm. is an adventure in that you know there's the ambience that's created by what the employee is in the mood to listen to um again the relationship you build with them and the conversations you have to um kind of they want to get in your mind and kind of see what you're into and it becomes communal in a way you you guys start to uh bond and and you know it's almost like having a political debate without the intensity um in that you know I, you know I'm not really into that stuff but I do like band X or I do like this sound and oh cool yeah you got to check this out so um uh-huh. you know that that whole thing is kind of lost like we talked about it last week in in the present you know, social media world of, of finding music. A lot of times it's either stuffed down in the algorithm from, uh, um, where it's a link from an outside website versus, um, you know, being on the platform natively and then people might not see it or, um, they just don't have time to sit and ingest it. So they just scroll on by. So, you know, it's, uh, it's uh what am i trying to say basically it's it's a lost form of communication to me in terms of discovery of music it's not as commonplace as what it used to be i know not to be rhetorical but you know it is what it is but but, before we get on to yours what you're saying is i and i'm a digital guy but i I totally miss that having record stores all over the place and uh, i know spotify has people that literally that's their job they sit there and they cultivate playlists and you know, post them under genres and moods and categories and and whatever, but it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I mean, I know that that's how it has to be for that, and I'm thankful for the digital world we have in Spotify, but um, I do miss that. I miss going in there, parking, walking in, hearing what's playing, talking to somebody, flipping through CDs or whatever. So. Yeah, yeah. Spotify, you guys hiring? I could do that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it, <laughs> yes, you know what I mean. It'd be fun to just be in, immersed in it again, 100 percent for sure. I, I might find myself yeah. uh, becoming the curmudgeon, and nah, I'm not into that. What back in my day, we, I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I've got one that really stood out for me uh, in that experience. Um, and it'll turn into a little bit of story. I won't try to talk a ton, but. Uh, it was at Karma Records. It was before I graduated from high school. It was probably 94, 95, somewhere around there. Actually, I've got two. It's from the same place, but two different people. But um, a lady named Shannon was the uh, assistant manager at the time. And I come in and I hear this kind of world music beat happening with 
these crazy vocals on top and there's not really any set lyrics happening as much as just vocal gestures and lots of vibrato and, and expressions going on and it was dulcimer paired with big percussion paired with like droning you know, keyboard sounds or strings and things and so i went up to the counter i'm like what is this we're listening to and she shows the disc it was uh let me get the title right it was toward the within by dead can dance i don't know if you've heard any of them oh. Yeah, Dead Can Dance is great. Yeah, and so that was my first experience with, with them, and I ended up kind of getting in a rabbit hole through the years, and anytime I saw a copy of the earlier releases, I, I nabbed it. I actually still have a copy of a live performance on VHS, and Lisa Gerard just watching her sing is just mesmerizing because she vibrates her chin in a way to get the um, vocal vibratos and crazy mannerisms going, and uh-huh. it's just fascinating to watch and to listen to. So... You know, I thank her for giving me that that new gift of a new style of music because at the time I was complete metalhead, but it just really resonated with me. It was heavy and deep without the distortion, without the you know the typical loud bashing nature. It was just a pulse. It was a rhythm, and it was hypnotic. And so that was kind of my step into okay, I can enjoy other things you know besides metal, um, you know more at length, if you will. Also, too, um, I don't remember the gentleman's name. He wasn't there very long, but um, I actually went in. It was after I was at a a state conference for video production with a a buddy of mine. We had placed and and became state finalists in this school competition. I bought Weezer's first album that day, and he was playing something in the air. It was very thrashy, and um, I was like, that kind of sounds like Jello Biafra on vocals, and... Sure enough, it was, and I asked him what it was. It, it was lard, so it was the best of both worlds. Yes. It was Al Jorgensen, it was you know uh, Jello Biafra and <laughs> Paul Barker and all that. So bought a copy of that too, and you know he and I hit it off for you know the short amount of time that I was in there or he was there rather, and um, I would go in and say what's what's new this week and he would you know show me a couple things i'd listen to it sometimes i'd get it sometimes i wouldn't but it was never any hard feelings it was like all right cool yeah i'm glad you checked it out and let me know if you need anything else right so um very cool and what's really awesome is because i developed a rapport with with shannon and and everybody there i ultimately ended up getting a job there and um that kind of started my career in retail, if you will, but it was a nice start. Um, at the time, I was, uh, you know, working at a fast food joint and and uh, working really late, and it was really affecting my school and my performance there. And it was nice to be able to close at nine o'clock instead of midnight, and you know, when you're done cleaning the kitchen, and uh, actually get a decent night's sleep and hit class the next morning. But uh, you know, from there, I became that person that was talking to people and becoming very energized and having you know, upbeat conversations about the music I was passionate about. And so, um, you know, from there, I developed a lot of friendships and met other musicians or other people that just love to listen to music. And, you know, if I see them to this day, there's still people when I come back to the hometown, I'll run into from my music store days and I have a quick five minute, hey, how you been? What's going on in the world kind of thing. So, and we'll still say, what are you listening to these days? These days. So that's cool. Yeah, that's a great challenge. I I told Steve before we even uh, started recording about how much I liked kind of going down this memory lane. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great week. For, so cool. Uh, and partly because of the challenge. Very good. I'm, I'm glad you did, man. It's awesome. Yeah. Now we just got to start a record store. I am glad to see that. Um, I am glad to see that the vinyl has a, still a place in the world mm-hmm. because 
it's huge now. I mean, it's yeah, really taken and off again. The younger generation you know, really digs it too, which is great. I was pretty ignorant to how that worked. You know that people were still buying vinyl, and they most they come with digital downloads, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the case mostly, and that's such a smart move. But I, I just there's a record store, literally a vinyl record store, um, right by where I work. So <clears throat> I'm often walking by that a lot, and it's just I still miss the days of the you know the discount bin CDs or the imports that were overpriced and all that kind of stuff. But at least there is still something physical you can walk into and still have these relationships you're talking about. I wish, I wish it was the only place. I wish you couldn't go to books a million or some of those places and get vinyl. I wish you had to right. go to that shop, you know? Yes. Be more authentic. Well, if we could write our state representative. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know how much they care for us. <laughs> they love us. Yeah. Well, do you want, do you want the new challenge or am I to hold off for until later? Uh, I'm voting to let's have it. Yeah, let's go ahead. I really couldn't think of anything interesting, so this one is just designed to drive teabags crazy. <laughs> because great. I'm going to limit him to five, and his list will be like 50, probably. Mm-hmm. So, sure. name your favorite five songs of all time. Yeah. Really? Yep. You got to list five tea bags. Oh my god! <laughs> even even fifty makes my head hurt. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it feels limiting. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, that's that's gonna be a tough one, but uh, I think I can pull it off. There, there'll be it's some... hard enough if you said five bands, but mm-hmm. songs. No, not five songs. <laughs> my gosh! Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> So, Appreciate you know, like that. the bands are like your children, and then the, the songs are like your grandkids. So, boy. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yes. Cool. Yeah. Challenge oh, accepted. All right. Enjoy. Reluctantly accepting it. <laughs> hey, real quick before we uh, move forward, I wanted to let you know, mm-hmm. I had a chat with Metalhead Monday. We had a text thread that uh, he listened to last week's podcast and said, hey, guys, I disagree with your take on the Weezer album. And uh, so I gave him a call. And said, mm-hmm. look, I was going to record it on audio, and I joked that I was going to butcher it, so it sounded like he agreed with us after all. But, um, yes. you know, in all reality, he said that, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's like it still sounded like Weezer to him. I'm, I'm paraphrasing based off of the conversation and, uh, you know, my, my limited memory. But uh, mm-hmm. he said it still sounded like Weezer to him. It sounded like they were having fun with the tunes and that, uh, you know, basically they – saw how Africa took off and they said, Hey, let's give this a shot. That's his take on it. So, um, you know, I don't disagree with that again. What we, when we listened to it, I think we all had a certain level of, of either preconceived ex- expectations or we, you know, just it, at the, it just didn't hit me at the right moment, the, the way that, you know, it could have or whatever, you know, whatever the variable may be. But, uh, nonetheless, he wanted to chime in and, and, uh, you know, let us know his take on it. Well, I think the world agrees with him more than us. It's very popular, and I've heard really good things about it. Mm-hmm. Just didn't love it. So yeah, yeah. And I told him too. It's like, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, but I don't think I would, you know, buy a copy of it and put it on full rotation on a regular basis. But he also loves yeah. covers. He loves. Uh, there's a podcast mm-hmm. called Coverville that he listens to quite a bit, and you know, I can see where he comes from too because he always enjoys a reinterpretation or um, just yeah. you know, the tunes in general. So any any chance he gets to hear him, he'll he'll do it. Yeah. And I love covers too. I had a separate text conversation with him and um, I haven't read it all because it was just, it was a lot of 
a lot of him writing. I don't know if he wasn't working or what, but it was just how good the new Backstreet Boys is. So <laughs> he he did say time. that he loved it, yeah. <clears throat> and um, he hasn't. You know, he listens to a lot of stuff typically during the day, a lot of uh-huh. pad, podcasts and whatnot. But he said since that album dropped, he has not had that off his player yet. He yeah. can't get enough. Yes. Same here. And I think he he was texting me from the tattoo shop. He was getting some like some back piece of them. I think. So pretty, we'll see. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure we'll hear from Monday next week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Love you, Monday. And Backstreet Boys. <laughs> we will certainly know if he's listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, from Backstreet Boys, we move to Bob Mould mm-hmm. and his new record. Um, yes. I enjoyed it. What'd you guys think? Loved it. I I loved it. I yeah. mean, <laughs> this was my favorite album we've reviewed so far. I think mm, yeah, this this is a good strong start to 2019 for me. Um, yeah. So, who would like to uh, kick off the the review? I'm gonna let you go. I have a sentence about each song, and I've got stuff to say about Bob Mould. I'll I'll make it short. But you you go ahead, Paul. Okay, mine's gonna be probably down the technical rabbit hole a lot, but I wrote down a couple of notes about a few songs. I've I've listened to the album about two or three times. And just kind of dug deeper. Um, it's been a long time since I've listened to Husker Du, so I went and revisited some of that and just some of the history of the breakup and all that as well. And it was it was interesting, to say the least, because Bob, I don't know him personally, but he just seems like a guy that is very in tune with his gear. He's very in tune with you know, what he wants to do and what he wants to get out of it. And, and, uh, I definitely appreciate that about him. His guitar sounds are huge. And so I had to figure out what is he playing? What's, what's, what's the trick. And I'm sure he's layering tracks of guitars to make it just sound completely full, but, um, looks like he's mostly a Fender Strat guy. Um, it's got pickups called lace, lace sensors in it. So those have a nice, particular sound especially for what he's doing um i don't think he's got a full amount of distortion meaning he doesn't have it cranked to 11 just enough to really give it that good bite and then still have that clarity so you can still hear the notes really drone and ring too and that's what i absolutely love about his playing is the fact that you're getting that rock effect that's knocking your socks off but at the same time you're you're not so saturated that you're it's like you're sitting in front of a tv and you're trying to watch an hd film but you're getting hit with white noise at the same time you know he, there's none of that with his guitar playing you can still hear the notes kind of clash against each other where, where need be and just harmonize with each other perfectly too so um across the board this uh this particular effort is consistent with the past and then just even fuller and clearer than before um Let's see here. The Final Years was a song that really struck me. I mean, this, the album opened out really yeah. strong. It was just, bam, loved it. But then it took mm-hmm. a nice little uh, trip midway through the album. It was kind of the mellower portion. It had a nice texture and just a groove and whatnot. Um, loved Irrational Poison. Sin King's really good. It has a lot of great chords to it, too. Um, mm-hmm. What was the... I sent you guys a video. Was it Lost Faith? I can't remember the song title off the top of my head now, yeah. but uh, where he had a drone chasing him and stuff too. Also, really great tune and very indicative of his style as well. So uh, the backup band is solid as always and um, just a really great rock record. And, and it really kind of put me in the mood to start digging out a bunch of other kind of raw rock records as well and just turn them up and enjoy. 
So um, yeah. that's long and short my review. Uh, I'm going to give it a four out of five. Um, you know, I think it's very solid and, and um, something that I will listen to continually this year. And if I come across the copy of it on vinyl, I'll probably pick it up. Nice. Yep. I agree um, with everything that you said. Um, it's distinctively Bob Mould. It's it, what I, you mentioned Husker Du, which there's always that element in his music. And I think part of this album, like you said, the first half is more driving or whatever. And the second half gets more along the lines of maybe a little bit of sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he did that, a little bit more of the pop. <clears throat> but um, one song that really stuck out to me is probably one of the least Bob Mould songs on the album, but lyrically, Camp Sunshine. Mm-hmm. I love that song. Um, it, when I started listening to it, it's just like, this is kind of kitty. You know, greetings from the camp where every day is fun, the weather's warm and everyone's cool. We get to, we get to camp at 10, we played all day, and then we get some sleep and do it all again. Um, but then as you as the song goes on, it starts to make more sense. You know, he's got this perfect little scenario that we all love. You know, p- melodies appear in the night, thoughts become words in the morning light. I pack them together and make it to Camp Sunshine. And then it goes a little bit, you know, real world. Some kids get sick and pass away. Others find a different place to play. Um, and then he comes back, you know, I wish this camp was home. Um, uh-huh. Regardless of what comes next, treat your friends with love and respect. Be grateful. Say thank you and please take me back to Camp Sunshine. Um, I don't know what it is, but that those lyrics really hit me today, uh, especially uh, when I was listening. So for me, that was uh, the best song on the album. I did like Sin King. Lost Faith was great. And uh, even Sunshine Rock just gets you right into it. Um, gives you that, that Bob Mould flavor, so... Yeah, I would say yeah. four out of five as well. Cool. Before you start, Tony, I also want to add, I'll put a link in the show notes for the article in the Rolling Stone about the album, too. Um, he moved to Berlin, and so that's a big piece of this album. He kind of wanted the change of pace. And, <clears throat> excuse me, since uh, being there, he kind of immersed himself more. He went clubbing again, if you will, and said uh-huh. that you know he went places where people were there to basically idolized the music and it wasn't the social scene as much as it was about the music and uh you know being in europe it's certainly a good place to do that because they tend to embrace music on a whole different level than we do these days and uh you know even obscure metal bands that come from the u.s are still highly regarded there you know what i mean so um it's a good place to be um he said the album definitely has more of an optimistic look because he wanted that and i think that change of pace gave him a piece of that too and then, of course, they were certainly keeping Grant Hart in mind when they were writing the album. Of course, he passed away a couple of years ago, too. So, um, you know, there's there's some of that, you know, kind of changes in mood through the album. But um, I, thought, I just thought it was interesting that, you know, for him to shape this album, there was a complete, you know, 180 in terms of where he's located, what he's, you know, kind of subjecting himself to as far as his current environment to uh, kind of foster that inspiration. Okay. Yeah. I did. I didn't. I haven't read that article, so that's good information. You have to post it for sure. Yep, I will. Well, <laughs> I uh, I need to say that I'm. You know, I'm biased anyway. I don't know how into Bob Bob Mold you guys were anyway, but he was a he was a close. You know, I don't want to say second, but he was in my top ten probably of you know those years of listening to Nine Inch Nails and all that stuff together. 
So, like, Black Sheets of Rain was an mm-hmm. album that was constantly on repeat. Love that um, one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a great, great album. And um, anyway, so for me, opening up with Sunshine Rock, like Steve said, it was a great way just to you know come in with Bob Mold, and that's what it was. And I love the energy. Sound was great. Um, I'm just going to run through my notes, but uh, talk about kind of the points you guys had, too. Um, what do you want me to do? For me, if Bob Mould had a song on Nine Inch Nails with Teeth album, this would be it. it I could totally see <laughs> that this fast and raw sound would fit right in on there. I loved it on this album as well. Um, Sunny love song. Uh, that one to me was just decent, and maybe I was you know three songs in and just getting used to the pace, but um, you know it was solid. But nothing stood out to me there. Thirty Dozen Roses. Um, I felt like that could be right on Black Sheets of Rain, and I, I love like. The real staccato style of the opening lines and then into the song and the guitar work was fantastic like it always is like you said paul mm-hmm. i don't know all the technical aspects that you do but uh my ears were pleased so <laughs> um <laughs> the the final years that was i had two songs that were tied for my favorites final years was, was one uh i fought was one but on final years um i thought the change of pace was great the lyrics were great arrangement was great I really particularly liked these lyrics. Um, we wander for days in a complicated maze and fear we surely lost our way. As I stand on the other side, I wonder if things had been different. I want to wake up and be different. I'm choking the life from the past, clutching my stories, a satchel full, a cache of indignation. Where did I put my sense of misplaced rage? Who crossed the lines I dreamt up in my fevered state? Like children acting out familiar fears, what do we cherish in the final years? Which I thought was a really good... Um, like set of sentences anyway and just poetic but also maybe just being older anytime people talk about final years and what we cherish I think mm-hmm. that's kind of the crux of existence at this point um, Irrational Poison <laughs> he said I want to swim to you baby but I'm taking the slow way and it kind of caught me <laughs> off guard because I'm like what's slower than swimming to somebody <laughs> you know but uh, other, all, all in all that was a good song um, I Fought was like I said tied with final years for me as my favorite song I thought the intro was cool. I love how it like started off slow, crashed in, started running from the start, and uh, it was kind of like a the Bob Mold punk style, and it reminded me a lot of Sacrifice in the, in the sense of it being raw and angry. Um, Sin King uh, had a great late '80s, early '90s breakup song feel to it, which is right up my alley. So that was that that got a thumbs up. Um, Lost Faith was great. Uh, the guitar tone was cleaner. That's the only, that's as technical as I get, Paul, mm-hmm. but it, but it, you know, we still listen to this stuff as albums and not just picking, you know, kind of cherry picking songs. So yeah. it is good to hear those breaks when they, when you talk about an artist trying to figure out the arrangement of 12 different songs, that's kind of nice to hear that change in there. Yeah. Um, so, and, uh, the lyrics, I really liked the lyrics to that song camp sunshine. The only thing I disagree, Steve, is that, uh, I didn't like his vocals as much. But I thought the song was solid. I really, really did like the lyrics too. But I thought maybe even changing an instrument at that point, maybe going to piano, mm. uh, might have been kind of fun. Because I haven't heard him do that. But um, then wrapping it up with "Send me a postcard," <laughs> it cracked me up that he started with "Yow." <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a weird intro to keep on the take, but whatever. Uh, it still had a lot of emotion. Um, but the guitar was great on that one. And then wrapping it up with Western Sunset, I thought the backing vocals, how he would say something and then have backup vocals uh, kind of answer that, uh, reminded me of Poison Years. And the song stood on its own. It was a great song. So 
all in all for me, after I ranked them, and it came out to be a, a 4.5 out of 5 for me. Sweet. And not only will I listen to it again, but I'll probably listen to it tomorrow at work. Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, you mentioned Send Me a Postcard. Um, from what I read, mm-hmm. it sounds like that's a cover tune. Um, originally written oh, really? by a group called Shocking Blue, so I'm going to have to check that out. Hmm. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know if the original had the yeah or not, but uh, okay, definitely worth checking out. And <laughs> um, it looks like yeah. from the screenshots I'm seeing, like the thumbnails on YouTube, almost looks like, like uh-huh. it's a kind of a vintage psychedelic looking group. So I'll be interested to uh, hear what that original sounds like. Oh, speaking of looks too, I mean, I don't know what the true cover looks like, but the thumbnail cover on Spotify. I loved it. It was so simple, but it looked like almost like a retro pop logo. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. totally is. And and the word sun appeared in four songs. Yes. Could this be a uh, thematic album? Could we call it a, something like that? Could be. Certainly. And he said stuff. He had a lot of different throwback. Not that they necessarily were, but like he had Poison and Years in the titles. And in one of the songs, he talks about the wishing well and... Yeah, things that kind of have been thematic throughout the past with his stuff. So, but man, he—it's like he didn't miss a beat. This could have, no. this could have just come out, you know, right after my my last favorite album by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, my last takeaway on this is, I believe he's around fifty-eight years old. So what that tells me is, there's still time for me to grow up and still be a, <laughs> a you know, a guitar player that has some good tone and um, writes some kick-ass songs and still have a good time in life. So thank you for the inspiration, yeah. Bob Mold. <laughs> and let me tag along to that. This will probably segue us into kind of what we're listening to. But I said this week has been so good for me because not only did I get to walk down memory lane and, and kind of revisit some songs and some relationships from the that record store days, then listening to Bob Mould, who did not disappoint. But honestly, and I say this with true sincerity, like Paul's been posting a lot of stuff on uh, his Instagram, playing some guitar stuff and trying out some vocal things, and it got me really excited. I mean, I'm a JPP fan through and through anyway on the electronic side, but everything this week has been kind of like heavy and guitar-driven, mm-hmm. including you, Paul. And uh, so I, I enjoyed listening to what you're working on as much as I've listened to any of these albums that I've listened to this week. Oh, thanks, man. You know, I'm, uh, yeah. What's funny is the riff that was the closer last week on the, the podcast was kind of a demo in, 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 you know, an initial infancy stage, if you will. And mm-hmm. I've since expanded on it since the, the podcast and I put vocals on it. I, played a bass line, I redid the bass line, I revamped some of the guitar parts, and really, one thing I'm guilty of being a busy dad is I'll start an idea, and yeah, that's cool, and then I'll kind of move <laughs> on, and then I'll come and listen to it again, it's like, yeah, I'd love to do that, uh, it's bedtime, I'll take care of that tomorrow, and that's on <laughs> me, I need to work on that, and so this song, I've made it a point... If I have 45 minutes before I'm going to bed, even if I'm exhausted, I'm still going to open up the session. I'm going to put the guitar in my hand, and I'm going to kind of noodle around with it and expand on it. And so I'm working on the arrangement of that particular tune quite a bit. Yesterday, I started just kind of opened up a fresh session and just started toying around with the groove. And it's what's funny is I shared it on my Facebook page and in my Instagram story, but it ended up sounding like... I wrote a tune from Rat, and uh, it just has that 80s hair metal vibe to it. But it was just something to do for fun, just more of a creative outlet. And I call it riff yeah. therapy, if you will, right? So, um, 
you know, I, I need that in order to flush out ideas, whether they stick or not. Nonetheless, you got to kind of work through a thing that way you get to the next thing. So I appreciate you sure. listening to it, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I try to document the journey these days so that way you can see, Hey, this one looks like it's taken off somewhere. This one's going to be a dud eventually, but nonetheless, you kind of see the, the process, you know, that's the way everybody riffs in, in all reality. You just don't really see that very often. So I'm trying to get that out in the forefront. So, you know, people know that they're not alone when they have a bad day writing or something like that. You know, it's going to happen. You'll have days that, man, I love this. I can't wait to embellish upon it. Or, mm -hmm. you know what? That one worked for about five minutes. I'm going to move on. So, yeah, you know, nonetheless. Right. But no, long story short, thank you. I appreciate that, man. It means a lot. So yeah. Check it out on JPP on Instagram. It's mm -hmm. always posting yeah. awesome stuff. So you guys go follow him. At Just Plain Paul, all one word. Just Plain Paul. <laughs> I always play it, and then Marion's like, what is that? It's just Paul. <laughs> yep. So. Yeah. Just that kid you put up with in your art class for a semester, that's all. Yeah, it's just that guy. <laughs> um, other than Paul, Tony, what have you been listening to this week? Um, well, this, it's funny, because the podcast has taken me in a lot of different directions, but, uh, so, we talked about Tours and Dead Weather and mm -hmm. White Stripes last week, mm -hmm. but we didn't mention, really, Jack White's solo. Mm -hmm. And I kind of went back and listened to 16, 16 Saltines uh, and uh -huh. uh, Lo Love Interruption. I love those two tracks. So those got thrown on my work playlist this week. And then this like throwback to, you know, kind of what, where we came from, from music, listening to Paul riff on the guitar. I kind of started listening to uh, Danzig again, mm, which has been a yeah. long. Heck yeah. yeah. And so uh, I, I'm the one by Danzig, Long Way Back From Hell. Girl, seven seven seven, and Mi Demon, and really, that's been it, man. Just like a big, like nostalgic trip, but like with good guitar. And now that Paul mentioned Cliff Burton's birthday, um, Orion is one of my favorite songs, and I'm sure I'll be revisiting some of those old school Metallica albums this week. Heck yeah, that's good stuff. Hey, question for you, Tony. Um, sure. You you mentioned some earlier Danzig there. What was your take on Danzig Four? Were you a fan or no? Four was the last time I kind of really was a fan. Mm -hmm. I liked it. Yeah. I, I liked it, but it, it felt like, um, and Steven, I think, share this, you know, after you got through those first three Pearl Jam albums, mm -hmm. then it was like you could pick and choose a few good songs from the next ones, but it wasn't the same solid album. So I think four was the weaker of the first four, but it, I would still collectively, like, cut it off there for me. Yeah. Number five was certainly a... Uh, a stretch. It was a black acid devil. I think it was what it was called. Um, I think so. Yeah. Four. I thought four had some gems on it and it, in a way it was underrated, but, uh, yeah. you know, like don't speak or can't speak. Sorry. Not, not the, uh, no doubt song, but, um, <laughs> I love him and Gwen, Gwen Stefani together. Oh yeah. They're duet. Whoa. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, I just thought there was some really cool things going on. And, um, you know, that was the last you saw of, of that particular lineup with, with Danzig and, um, yeah, but, yeah, I mean, you just can't go wrong, especially the first three for sure. Very solid. But I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm going to have to dig that out for next week for sure. I always wanted yeah, to see he... Danzig do a vocal duo or a duel with uh, Ian Asbury. <laughs> yeah. Where the audience would no, I mean, blindfold. attack each other vocally would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, I don't wow. think that's going to happen. Um, sorry, did you... Uh, I like that Danzig actually did try like some different vocal styles like he sounded like elvis but like uh mm -hmm. sustinas and um some of those songs were good and like 
on Danzig, I think it was two, um, long way back from hell and things like that. There was some really, there was some really like groovy grooves on there. I mean, it was bluesy in some parts too. Mm -hmm. Danzig three is going to stand out for me only because the work I put in to get it. Um, (laughs) and what I mean by that is when I was a kid, uh, we lived around the corner from a farm. Um, and my dad worked for that guy all the time and I would go help occasionally. And there was one summer where it was brutally hot and they had to get bales of hay out of this barn and get them transferred and and use them. And so I'm up in the very top of this barn. There's no ventilation whatsoever, no windows, nothing. And, you know, just dying and sweating and just three hours just pushing bales of hay. And and I'd say there's probably like 75 to 100 of them back there. It was a huge barn. And I got done and the farmer... His name is Fred. I think he's still around. He's, gosh, in his 90s, and he still has biceps as big as my head. He's kind of like Glenn Danzig <laughs> in that regard. It's crazy. Yeah. But he yeah. uh, he threw me um, 30 bucks for my work, and I was like, wow, I actually got paid pretty good for that. And so later that day, I had my dad take me to Karma, and I bought Danzig 3. <laughs> yes. And that's what you do with any good money. You go buy satanic music. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no. I'll tell you real quick. Sorry, Steve. I know that we've kind of taken taken over. Are you still there, Steve? Yeah. Hello. Um, what? But um, uh, just speaking of things that we do, this is and and record stores. This all ties in real quick. But um, I remember being at Ball State re- and and getting like Spin or some magazine, and there was an ad for Broken, and somehow it had escaped my radar. I mean, things weren't really there wasn't a really big marketing channel back then. You know, from mm-hmm. at, at like nineteen ninety, ninety two, whatever. Um. But and I looked at like the ad, I looked at the date, looked at the ad, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, Nine Inch Nails has something new coming out tomorrow." I had no money; I was a college kid, and so I went up and down the hall. I lived in the dorms, and we took bets on whether or not I would take a drink from the community spitter. We all dipped. Mm. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we took bets as to whether or not I would drink from that. We all watched uh, Simpsons and stuff like that. So there was like one big spittoon. And, uh, yeah, that's how I got Nine Inch Nails Broken. Man, I hope you profited from that, too. Good Lord. <laughs> I did. I actually had extra money left over. But, yeah, man, you got to power to through To get it. your stomach pumped. <laughs> I understand Fear Factor to some degree. Yeah, we were but, watching uh, Tui Tuivasa and uh, Donald Cerrone drinking out of people's shoes at the UFC uh-huh. event this weekend, and we thought that was disgusting. <laughs> that you is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still would rather do that than bail hay. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that that's was way fun. too much work. That was yeah. good times. Mm. Uh, Stevie, what are you listening to, man? Sorry, nothing. <laughs> Great, all big build up. Well, that wraps things up, folks. The problem is I, with my job, I can't really put music on that much because I'm in my office dealing with bad, ill-behaved children, uh, okay. so I can't all the time. Um, so obviously I'd listened to uh, Bob Mould this weekend, which was fantastic. Um, but as I was thinking about the past, I did go back down on uh, Our Lady Peace uh, Avenue a little bit and listen to some of that again, which I hadn't listened to in uh-huh. a number of years now. So that was pretty fun. And I did, which is funny, you mentioned Jack White, but um, at the top, you know, if you go into Apple Music and you just type somebody's name in, it gives you all uh-huh. the top songs. I did at work one day when I was just doing some work, just scroll through all his music. So um, hit the okay. same thing you did, Tony. 
Sweet. And then what was the uh, music that you were going to listen to? What's that uh, concert thing that you were texting us? Do you have tickets to that? Uh, do I have tickets to it? What? Yes. No, not yet. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I mean, I was uh, I was kind of on the skimming through them. I was at work, and so I couldn't tell. Somebody was asking, is that a real concert? And I just kind of saw the lineup. So It was just announced, so the tickets are not out yet. So um, hopefully being a member of Outside the Nine, I've got you know first dibs, so get good seats down close and take it gotcha. all in. So. More details to come. <laughs> yes. Paul. Yeah. Um, lots, actually. I, I had a lot of time to listen to a bunch of stuff. When um, when my daughter has extracurricular activities, if it doesn't involve me having to be vocal, I'll pop Bluetooth headphones in and just kind of get lost in some music and just watch. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I went down my own little path of memory lane, too, and, and a big piece of it was uh, some of the... I guess techno rock or industrial that was more pop and in the nineties, such as uh, machines of loving grace, um, oh. went through and listened to guilt and, um, some of their earlier works there too. And then, uh, also uh, just because I was in Apple music, it says, you like this, you might like, in my case, you might remember this God lives underwater. So I popped in some of their stuff too. Have you heard them, Tony? Yeah, yeah, I, have. I had no idea because I was like, man, whatever happened to them? So I, right. I started looking, and the singer died in 2005. So oh. I was like, well, that explains why you know nothing new has come out for sure. But um, just some really good music from them as well. Uh, also, uh, Mundy was talking about stabbing westward, and that's what kind of started the conversation or the the music path for me. And so just kind of went down that realm for a bit. Um, with the riffs I've been writing and stuff too, I was listening to some failure and just some real thick guitar, getting some inspiration there. Um, this morning, I was on YouTube on my TV. My daughter was playing in the living room and, and uh, just kind of doing her thing. So I, I popped on some uh, guitar players playing riffs and stuff. I like to watch guys and see what they're doing and you know if there's any kind of weird techniques they may have that I might be able to pick up on and try something new. And this, of course, in the suggested feed was top 20 riffs. You know, this guy's opinion, of course. But he's just playing through all of them. And The Trooper by Iron Maiden was one of them he chose. And the awesome part about it is when that came on, my daughter perked up and looked at the screen. She goes, The Trooper? It's like, yeah, that's a song from a band called Iron Maiden. She was like, oh, I like that. You know, it was like the, you know, the harmonies and all that kind of stuff. So I went and found a live performance of the tune and played it for her. And she loved it. And I was like this is very cool and started the conversation like would you like to learn to play guitar someday she's like not right now I'm like well I'm not saying right now I know you're playing but I'm like someday would you like for to sit down and with me and let me show you how to play some guitar parts and she's like yes I would love that so I'm hopeful that that will happen in the near future cool so that's what's, yeah. what's happening in my world awesome. I still go back to the few weeks ago when we were making fun of you maybe that your kid was scratching at the door so <laughs> now in my head it's like you're gonna play guitar yeah you are gonna sit down and learn these power chords <laughs> arpeggios perfect now <laughs> yes don't don't make me bring nicholas manson in here yeah exactly <laughs> oh <laughs> sorry i have a cold okay. i can't do it <laughs> that's okay i think uh, nicholas manson should manson should also then like merge with butthead <laughs> Because every time I hear the beginning of the... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we'll bring him back next week. Cool. 
Sweet. Speaking of next week, looks like we'll probably be reviewing Shaka Khan, Hello Happiness. Really? No, probably not, but it is being released. <laughs> I got on. I was kind of excited. I thought uh, the uh, Claypool, uh, Lennon Delirium was out next week, which I thought might uh-huh. be an interesting one, but that's in two weeks. So uh, not a whole lot going on next week, so we'll look at that come back with something for next week. Um, but for now, before we wrap up, where we, uh, where can we find you guys on social media? Paul? I'm hanging out on Instagram at, uh, just plain Paul quite a bit. Um, also on the wanderings and wool gathering Facebook page. We also have an Instagram account. I'm guilty of not updating it as often as I should, but, uh, feel free to ping me on there too. And remind me that I need to post pictures and content, uh, on a regular basis nonetheless, but, uh, just plain Paul and wanderings and wool gathering easy to find. Sweet. I'm just uh, still hanging out at the Facebook page, trying to throw a few more articles up here and there. And uh, by the end of the month, we should have a web page going too. So we'll uh, hopefully bring some kind of cool ways to interact on that. Excellent. Excellent. And I'm uh, Foggy's Pal on Twitter and Instagram. And we would love to have you guys request some music for us to check out um, or just interact at all with us. So tweet at us. Focus, whatever we got to do, and um, hopefully we can do something for you on the next show. Anything else, gentlemen, before we sign off? That is it for me. Yep. All right. Well, next week, Shaka Khan coming at (laughs) you. Good night for now. And Monday's complete review of the Backstreet Boys. (laughs) I cannot wait. Bye, folks. (laughs) 